Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special, important episode of Animation Communication where we actually have people from the movie that we really hinted at you to talk about or watch before this episode. But if you haven't seen Animal Crackers yet, then go watch it on Netflix. It's there for free, I assume, if you have a Netflix account because most people in the world, maybe in America, do. I don't know. I got to look up the stats. So <laughs> I was going um, to say, yeah, the the Animal Crackers distribution was mostly, well, in terms of the American distribution, I believe that was the biggest issue in terms of, instead mm-hmm. of an international release, it was when it was the U.S. distribution. That's when it got messed up. But uh, anyway, uh, you continue. Yeah, I was going to be like, you thought we just got like some concept artist or something, but not on animation communication. We get the directors of the movie because <laughs> we, 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 we need, well, we'll learn, learn new Tony already. So it's, it's, it's cool. It's fine. So, um, um, yeah. So if you want to skip this section, you can, but we're going to talk about some light stories in the news, essentially. But they're good stories. I have a story. I have a, a story in a story to go along with it. And I'm very this is a, I, I think it's a funny story, so if you want to hear it, I, I, I recommend it. But, Lauren, you can go first, since I'm going to talk a lot for the news segment. What do, what do okay. you want to talk about <laughs> news-wise? Okay, so, so the sitch this week, um, the Emmy nominations just came out. And, yes, I know this whole year has been thrown off in terms of uh, award season schedules and everything. Uh, but the Emmys will be coming up uh, in September, and they just announced all the nominees on all the different categories. And in terms of animation, uh, some of the uh, nominees include uh, Big Mouth, The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, BoJack Horseman, and Rick and Morty. Uh, so, and then there's actually been a few uh, nominees that were uh, in, I, actually in Central Park. If nobody's seen that one, same same people that created Bob's Burgers. Uh, it's uh, that one was also nominated for uh, one of the songs. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool that there were actual musical episodes that, you know, one of them was an animated episode that got nominated. So, um, so we'll see how that goes in the, in, as the award season draws, uh, award season part two, Electric Boogaloo draws near. (laughs) Air quotations. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. This is award season two, uh, quarantine Boogaloo. Uh, uh, so anyway, (laughs) um and actually you know it's it's funny because i still haven't been able to sit down and watch central park even though i have uh apple tv or whatever the little box so and i guess you can watch i swear to god i'm gonna so like one day i'm gonna text you and like lauren can i have your disney plus like passcode because i want to watch the and fur (laughs) but my my dad doesn't want to buy it like i think i said this um on another on another podcast but originally i have two two younger brothers and the youngest brother is really into star wars hence one of the dogs we have is named Chewbacca, and he is brown, and his collar is the sash of Chewbacca, but it's a collar. Anyway, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. His whole room is covered. He has all the expensive lightsabers, like, all of them. Like, even Kylo Ren's, which is the coolest. Um, oh, na- man. Yeah, and then he has, like, the Yoda that 
that talks and stuff. He used to have the little BB-8, the expensive BB-8, but he's just like, I'm bored of this after an hour, and it was, like, fair. But anyway, <laughs> so um, he would buy it because he wanted to watch The Mandalorian, but now that The Mandalorian's first season is done, he's like, I'm not going to pay for this until, like, after until like Mandalorian season two comes out. So he originally bought it again for Clone Wars and then he did the same thing. He's like, you can pay for it if you oh, want. Wow. And I'm just like, eh, but eh. so, you know, um, you know, if, if Lauren, Lauren, if you see a Kim Possible icon on your Disney plus, you know, it's me. Cause that's actually an option. I was <laughs> proud because it was, it was on the, the release. They had, they only have Kim Possible as far as the Kim Possible characters, but at least they still had her. So I give, I give them props because I was just like, should I be Simba or should I be Ariel? And I'm like, I wonder. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to be Kim Possible, you know. And my dad was like, why weren't you Ariel? And I'm just like, dad, like, I, I got to be on brand. Are you, excuse me. Are you the Internet? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Don't you know I legally love Kim Possible a lot, TM? Anyway. <laughs> okay so the story the story i wanted to share yes, go with your headline go 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 the story that i wanted to share because we're only doing two headlines to, today because like the main show is the priority but i was really excited because i saw this on instagram and i was like lauren look at this and we were both like yeah so um so last year disney did an exclusive line of like very fancy dolls essentially they're like designer dolls where they have a theme and i think they do this for D23 every year, and D23, for those who don't know, is, like, DisneyCon, but it's run by Disney, so they do, like, official stuff, and they have showrunners there, and, like, the whole thing. So, we were probably gonna go to D23 this year, but, like, eh, Corona, so, you know. But anyway, so, they did, last year, they did a, um, like, I, there was one exclusive D23 um, Giselle, which she doesn't get dolls made of her that often because I guess they couldn't secure the the, the rights from Amy, Alli- from Amy Adams for her likeness. So I don't know what how that worked out. But, you know, they had... So the theme was Masquerades. They had Belle and they had Rapunzel and they had Cinderella and I think they had Sleeping Beauty. But the really cool thing about that line is they had two characters that are normally not part of the Disney princess line, so they're relatively rare characters. Specifically, they were characters that, um, you know, haven't had dolls made out of them for, like, 20 years. So they had Meg in the line from Hercules, which she has a really cool outfit. And then she, we, she had, um, and then there was Esmeralda part of that line, too. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell. So, um... As far as, like, my animated muses go, um, like, I've always, like, as far as just aesthetic looking, so Ariel, I've always loved Ariel, and then Esmeralda, I love Esmeralda, I love the way she looks. I really like the way Korra looks from Legend of the Korra, too. Like, they're all very pretty designs where I'm just like, yes, I want. So as Ariel was, I mean, Esmeralda was one of those um, characters, so I had a little, like, when the movie came out, and I was, like, six or something, um, math is hard, I had, like, a plush Esmeralda like big doll um where the body was plush <laughs> and the head was hard so um that was neat i remember those dude i remember those dolls we lived in a totally different time i don't yeah. I feel like they don't make those dolls like they used to i mean they have a couple of them essentially but um but i wanted to reg- i don't know what happened to that doll so i haven't seen it around but um i wanted a regular esmeralda the barbie doll um um, like the year after for Christmas one year. And this was before the internet was really a thing. 
and also my mom doesn't know how to internet at all. She still doesn't really. Um, I had to like help her with Zoom Zoom meetings or whatever, doctor's appointments lately. So it's it's great. But anyway, so I was like, that was what I wanted for Christmas. I was like, I want the Esmeralda doll. And I'm just like, just the regular one, you know, um, not anything fancy. And um, so I go... I go and ask Santa because even though I'm Jewish, we still celebrated Christmas. Um, my mom was Catholic, but she converted. But also, like, I feel like most people these days celebrate Christmas just, like, for the festivity. Because, like, people don't really think about it. But when you're not Christian and you see the Santa stuff everywhere, especially when you're a child and your school is doing, like, let's do Santa stuff. Let's make ornaments. You feel, like, weird, really. So a lot of people that aren't... Christians still celebrate Christmas for the sake of, you know, the commercialized, you know, folklore aspect, which I think is fine. So we did that. And so I go to Santa and I'm like, I want the Esmeralda doll. And my mom, knowing that the doll was in the stores anymore, because it was like a year after the movie came out, told the Santa that I couldn't have that. <laughs> told him to tell oh. me that I couldn't have that. And I was just like, no, I want the Barbie doll. I want it. So my mom, in her, like... I guess her infinite wisdom of, I guess, whatever. So I got, like, a holiday Barbie. Like, I, it wasn't even, like, a Disney Barbie. And I'm just like, that's not what I asked for. Like, I'm, I I don't, <laughs> like, Santa has a workshop. Like, he can make specific Barbie dolls. Like, you know, and if this happened, like, in 2000, this happened, like, 99. So if this happened, like, 2005, my mom maybe could have just interneted it. Interneted it. Mm-hmm. So, um... So one year, we do Team KP Secret Santas, but so one year I told um, what my, like the person who ended up being my Secret Santa that story, and he got me, um, he bought me, bought me a, a lot of things because he felt bad, but not anything expensive, like little trinket things. And one of them was um, the regular Esmeralda, and I was very happy. I took that with, we, with me when I moved um, to LA. And then when the Masquerade doll came out, I was just like, I need it. Like, I usually don't need stuff. I'm a very minimalist person, except for, like, stupid stuff. We'll, we'll keep this episode clean. So, stupid stuff. Um, <laughs> so, shout out to Gobo. So, Gover- Gobo, my fan server, was like, I'll buy you the Esmeralda doll. And granted, the Esmeralda doll was, like, $170. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, like, I was so excited, though, when I got it, because it's beautiful. And I, like, it. It. it I'd sleep like next to it because I'm just like I just want to touch it so anyway that's a <laughs> long-winded story to tell you that because of I assume the the masquerade doll success especially for the characters that are not really um available generally like you can generally get all the Disney princesses whenever like at Target like it's pretty easy so um but they have they now have a Disney store Disney store exclusive uh, line either coming out or it just came out um of Disney heroines so they're not Disney princesses but they're still part of they're still getting dolls made out of them so they they include Meg they include Esmeralda they include Wendy they include and I think the other one is Tinker Tinkerbell and Alice from Alice in Wonderland which I'm kind of surprised they did they have a Tinkerbell doll for the the Tinkerbell like DVD series Lauren like did they have those Um you know good question I feel like they I mean given the success of the Tinkerbell movies I feel like they did and I just was not in that boat to see yeah. that kind of 
like I was not paying attention to it as heavily at the time that it was popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did see like the first couple movies and, um, and actually I did enjoy them. I, it, but it was just not my demographic at the time. Uh, mind you, I was like in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, we were all making fun of them. Cause I'm so, just like, oh, I guess this is what John Lasseter shows to replace the Disney sequels. I guess this sucks a little bit less, but, um, <laughs> Tinkerbell is very out of character in those. It's not important. But anyway, so, um, and a lot of the, the dolls specifically are better versions and better molds of the dolls than were available in like the nineties. Like the Esmeralda doll is worlds better than the Esmeralda doll that I have from when the movie came out because her face mold actually looks like her and not just generic, like, you know, Romani colored Barbie doll, you know, with different eye colors. So she has more like bigger eyes and more general features and flat feet. Thank God. Cause that's like one of her things. So she has flat feet. I think they all do actually, maybe except Alice, but um, all the dolls are relatively movie accurate from what I could tell. And, you know, if you want to, I'd recommend buying them because I would like this, this line to be permanent. That'd be nice. Um, it's like, even if it's just in Disney stores, like, whatever, like, I, I feel like the little girls who are like, I want Esmeralda, or I want Meg, or I want even, like, Wendy, you know, I, you know, to have access to them. And especially if the line does well, then maybe we can get even more rare characters, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I can't think of one off the top of my head that would be, besides Eloi, but I think that's, that would be a really big risk. So maybe oh yeah, like anything black cauldron yeah. is a huge risk. They're, they're, they're starting like to following. they're starting to put a little black cauldron stuff out there, but it's very minute stuff. So you know yeah, that's why they're they're testing the waters to see how people respond to it. But given it's like such a novelty to get anything from that movie, um, I think it's cool, especially if you're like a Disney pin trader slash collector like me. Um, for anything that's like, like a particularly special pin, like a collector's pin or anything like that, like I'd totally jump on a Black Cauldron one if I knew where one was. So it's, <laughs> it all depends on, you know, supply and demand. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's like, and actually usually how I am as a pin trader as is, is that I usually get pins when I go to the parks and that's, and it's to like mark, it, it's almost like a timestamp. It's marking anytime I go to the park. And there'll be like, okay, I get at least one pin from there to mark, okay, this this was a, you know, this was a, a Merida pin from 2012 because I got it the weekend Brave came out. And I happened to be going to the Disney parks the same weekend that it came out. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of Brave. First 20 minutes were the strongest part. Rest of it's meh. But um, but I still, you know, I, I can at least still say it wasn't good dinosaur. So <laughs> <laughs> at least there's that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to good dinosaur. I mean, I still respect that you are a, a, a you know, you know, you're tr- you tried your best in the Pixar lineup. And I mean, there are good aspects to it. But in, in terms of taking us of taking critique and stuff like that, just it just seemed like the story could have been done so much stronger and. I did find enjoyment in the cowboy T-Rexes, though, out of that. <laughs> I, I, uh, that was my favorite part. I haven't but seen anyway, Good Dinosaur, uh, and I'm not, like, unless I need to, I probably won't end up seeing it. So, like, I mean, the designs are cute, I guess. Uh, I did I did win a contest on DeviantArt back in 2015 when the movie came out. Uh, uh, it was, like, you know, 
they were doing all this promotional stuff leading up to the film's release. And DeviantArt did like a banner design contest. And I was actually one of like the semifinalists Neat. or something in that. And so I was, and I mean, I spent literally like, and this was when I, back when I had a, uh, a smaller tablet and this was before, long before I had an iPad to be able to do all my work a lot faster. It took me like a week to make the banner that I made and I was so proud of it. And that was me just trying to go like the extra mile on it, going like, I got to make this look right. And then I said, you can pick any scene, any scene that you can think of or anything you feel like relates to uh, the theme of, of the movie best. And this was before the movie came out. So we're all guessing, right? Uh, we're just like a boy and his dog story really but then i'm like but it's also an adventure story and i like the t-rexes in the promos because t-rexes are awesome i always like those so <laughs> and so i did that um but it, it yeah it was supposed to be yeah it was some promotional contest and i think i got like deviant art points out of it and then i think i got did i get it some kind of digital gift card out of it no i think it was just points yeah we don't want to pay either you way, so I was featured on, you get you get crypto either, money either <laughs> either way i was on that page so i have bragging rights for life with that one <laughs> um but the uh but yeah anyway back to the 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 dolls i swear to god it was all part of a tangent that related back to this um but yeah with all these dolls i didn't grow up as a kid growing up on the barbie dolls like the one barbie i do have from when i was a kid was the Mo the millennium princess barbie and that's a collectible barbie mm -hmm. you know you just you have her on display you're not supposed to play with her you know <laughs> but um and she was a commemorative doll mm -hmm. so uh but but i was just like i was the plushies stuffed animals plastic dinosaurs girl <laughs> um and so but nowadays if i look at like if i look at this like especially looking at the pictures of the new dolls and i'm like mm, am i gonna cave for that meg doll yeah i'm gonna cave for that meg doll. <laughs> i mean this is kind of the thing it's like so ideally before coronavirus what i would want to do for the podcast is shoot like specific sections and um like live action depending on the need so like for this like i'd be like lauren we're going to the disney store like now so like me and lauren would go and like get stupid footage of us like going in and buying like i'd, I'd get the esmeralda and she'd get the meg and we'd be like yeah now we're doll collectors on youtube now <laughs> But, you know, yeah. like, something like that. So I I probably will buy the Esmeralda doll eventually. I think they're only 20 bucks for all of them, which is much better than, like, the 170 or whatever for the... Oh, the, oh gosh, the Masquerade ones. I'm like, if you try to find any of them now, I mean, their price, prices vary. Some range within the $200, or oh. like 200-something dollar range. And some of them go way up to, like, the 900s, if not more. Oh, I'm, I'm glad like, I got, geez. I'm glad I got Esmeralda then as a, like, <laughs> like when she was just on the Disney site. I mean, you site. gotta really, <laughs> yeah, I guess you gotta really dig for some good deals on them because otherwise, yeah, sorry, you're kind of out of luck if you're looking for anything under $200. Well, if you're poor and you really want an Esmeralda doll or a Meg doll or an Alice doll or, because Alice is like, I think like an aesthetic now because I see Hot Topic like chess or cat stuff. Um, oh yeah, well, Alice in Wonderland is a bizarre thing. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre story, a bizarre world, and the characters are very memorable because of how bizarre it is. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it would actually be something where, you know, everybody's going to be wearing that the curiouser and curiouser kind of, like, <laughs> like t-shirts, and, and, you know, I'm not all there myself. Like, I mean, come on, it's, 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 uh, who wouldn't want that kind of, like, the, the, the crazy kooky kind of stuff? Um, especially at a hot topic, yeah. Slash box lunch. I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want any of 
that stuff, you can go buy it. Probably, I don't know if they're available on the Disney site yet. They probably will be shortly because I've seen people that are buying them, but I don't know if those are like pre releases or whatever. And those I, might be pre releases. Yeah. And because I, as of, because I'm looking at the article and it says they haven't been released. Okay. There's no release date yet, but they're assuming it's going to be 2020 if they're releasing the images like this now. Yeah. So, but there are like full images of the box art and everything. And, you know, it's very. It's also advertisements for the movies, because, like, you know, like, these movies sometimes, like, you won't remember, especially, you know, like, Hercules is aging pretty well, I think, for the most part, but um, Hunchback is kind of, it's getting better, but it's like, eh, I think it will help the live-action movie, like, one of many will help, Um, uh, but... I feel like now, yeah, I feel like now Hunchback is getting much more... uh, acclaim and praise nowadays versus when it first came out mm-hmm. and um and i think it's just because yeah again like a crowd you know crowd response you know audience response has changed uh the times have changed people have changed and in terms of saying something you know at the time people didn't appreciate what came when that came out yeah or didn't really see how truly important it was until they looked at it in hindsight. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like when you look back at Treasure Planet or you look back at Atlantis or any of those other movies that didn't do as well at the box office. They could have done better, but if you had known to release them maybe now, you have a greater appreciation for it because, one, people want to see more 2D stuff. Yeah. And because they're now we're in a 3D-generated slash live-action environment and more people are demanding 2D animation um and and two it's the it's the kind of stories that we are looking to see as well the you know their action adventure mystery adult themed stories like especially atlantis um uh so to have something like that be you know from disney it's getting its acclaim now yeah it was on a bit of a delay almost 20 years for some of these and some of them a little over 20 um but I feel like now more people are appreciating the kind of not only the movies, but the stuff that maybe comes with the movies, like the merchandise and stuff, and then maybe ask Disney for that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, hashtag like I hope Kita is next for the the Disney not princess, but she's technically a princess line, so I don't know. But yeah, Kita. Also, can we get more Milo stuff too? <laughs> Milo and Kita. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um. Yeah. So that will those those. Um, examples are, I think, will be interesting once the films come, the live action films come out for them, like whenever they do. So, um, but yeah, there's my sad Esmeralda story. So that's why, like, specifically, she's a kryptonite for me because, like, that's one of my favorite movies. And then I, I was denied access as a child because my mom didn't know how to internet or the internet wasn't very prominent then. So she's like, "How do I buy this doll that's already out of stores?" Well, I guess does I this, won't. Does this? Does this mean you were claws blocked? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No Christmas presents for Jews, no. Um. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so next week we'll probably talk about more Mulan stuff. So come back for next week. Yay. Now, now Now to the main part of the episode that I'm sure you guys actually care about. Yay. <laughs> Woo. Uh, as many of you have heard me gush over and over on different podcasts saying, go watch Animal Crackers. Go see Animal Crackers. <laughs> we tried to tell um, you guys. <laughs> I've, I've honestly been trying to plug for this for, for a while. So, uh, and Thank I've, you. 
I'm so I've been really excited for this one. Uh, but yeah, uh, so for today's podcast, we have Tony Bancroft and Scott Christian Sava, the directors of Animal Crackers. Yay. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. <Everybody> laughing. <laughs> I'll, I'll clap for you, Scott. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> yeah. And so we have everybody calling in right now, and, it, and it's awesome. So I'm really excited that we were able to get everybody together. So I'm excited. So how are you guys yeah. doing today? <laughs> uh, you know, doing good. It's hot out here in California right now. and uh, But hopefully it's killing off the COVID virus. You know, in the beginning, they said it was going to be like, Heat sensitive. You remember that? Remember when it first started? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no doctors actually said that, Tony. Oh, really? Yeah, no. <laughs> I think but they it, said it on Fox News. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the hope that, you know, maybe in the summer it would go away because it's a cold thing, but, you know, that hasn't happened, unfortunately. No. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we're really happy to be here. And uh, yeah. I'm, I, I love doing these things with Tony because he does most of the talking. <laughs> Oops. And his dog. Yeah, dog. Yeah, Featuring Tony's dog. Yeah. <laughs> Special guest to the guests. <laughs> I literally didn't know he was in the room. Was so weird. And all of a sudden he started barking. I was like, oh my What's gosh. What's your dog's name? He's... Max. Max. Uh, okay. It's like he saw no, the so head. Tom's, Tom's like, the one he with the dog me. named Mushu, right? Yeah, Tom's got Mushu. Oh my like, God. Oh, that's he great. Mushu. Yeah. So anyway, it was, yeah, thank you for having us on the show, you guys. Um, you know, I'm a big podcast fan because I do a podcast with my twin brother. So um, this is a real honor just to be able to speak about Animal Crackers. The film means so much to Scott and I. And as we sit here, it's been, I think it came out, what, two and a half weeks, should we say? What do you no, think, no, Scott? it's, uh, it's, it's of, it'll be two weeks on Friday. Ago. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so like yeah it, it feels like two and a half weeks because of COVID, but no, it's it's only been <laughs> I think ten days. But um, we're all but yeah, stuck it's in the still, time warp. It's still it was number two overall, number one animated Yay. film. Um, it's still the number one Woo! animated film, and uh, and then when that doesn't happen, I'll say it's no, number one circus related animated <laughs> film and then when that does yeah. it it'll, i'll just keep clarifying it a little more but that's right no the, it's, the it's doing one, really good the number one circus film with dan devito because he's in dumbo too or the live yeah i dumbo. think there's three of them because there's also a uh, big fish he oh was right a yeah. yeah i'm like he keeps oh he gosh. keeps finding himself in circuses I'm like, he like, loves what, them what is up with that <laughs> he yeah. loves them i mean he was he was I, I would say he was joyous when he was recording Animal Crackers. I mean, he just loved he it. And he was uh, silly. Yeah, he was silly. He was. He kept making. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the behind the scenes I've been posting on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube and and Instagram, but he just like he doesn't. He he loves making fart noises, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Who does? So that Chesterfield kept having to do it, but Danny, I don't. I know he knows that he that we can't see him acting it. But he likes to do physical, like he's you know making the fart noises with his arms and stuff, and you know, and he he's very physical when he's doing it, which is really fun. <laughs> yeah. God bless. Um, I he, wanted to start. He was, he was made to be animated. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, I wanted to start by introducing you guys as far as background because when I heard Lauren got you too, I was just like, oh my god, I'm gonna, like this is great. So. Um, <laughs> I'm totally not wearing a Lion King shirt right now. It's fine. Um. <laughs> Are you? Are yeah, you? I, I can't even see it. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh wow. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So. 
We'll, we'll accept that. We have a yeah. Nala plushie sitting over here somewhere. Uh huh. Uh, bring out Nala. <laughs> They slowly, like, the stuff slowly creeps in, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Tony, just, like, give people a rundown what you did for Disney, and then, obviously, Scott, like, your past experience, too, just before starting the film. Okay. Sure, I've been in the animation industry for over 30 years, which makes me old. (laughs) Um, and um, it started for me uh, right out of Cal Arts, California Institute of the Arts. My twin brother and I went there. We both loved to draw and all that kind of stuff. Got into Disney straight out of Cal Arts, which was, you know, a real miraculous kind of moment in our lives um, because that was our dream to, to work at Disney. And then to do that right out of college was amazing, to say the least. And we started at the Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, Florida and then basically closed that studio years later, or at least Tom did. Um, and I worked on films like, um, I, I did Beauty and the, uh, sorry, Rescuers Down Under was the first feature. Um, I did clean up and a little bit of animation on that. Uh, Frank the Frill Neck Lizard. Wood, wood, mm-hmm. all we gotta do is get the wood. Okay. <laughs> and uh, then I went on to Cogsworth on Beauty and the Beast. Um, and then I worked on, uh, shoot, what came after Beauty and the Beast? I always forget the order. Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did Yago the parrot, you know? The wise cracking parrot, Gilbert Gottfried. You know, um, <laughs> which we had in Animal Crackers. Mm-hmm. And uh, went on to, gosh, boy, Lion King. I did Pumbaa, the warthog on Lion King. Helped create that character as the supervising animator. Went on to, I did a little bit on Hunchback of Notre Dame, but before I got pulled on to um, Mulan as the co-director of Disney's Mulan, and then uh, ultimately went back in animation after that, working on Kronk in Emperor's New Groove. And then I left left Disney. Is Kronk on your light table in the back over there? Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, that's an awesome setup. I totally don't have a, a Cusco llama sitting here on my <laughs> desk with me. Oh, uh, you sure do, you liar. <laughs> just, just imagine this for people that are listening. So, like, Tony has this great setup with, like, all of his animation stuff in the background, and, you know, it's great. Yeah, I have original drawings from production here. I'll show you. Uh, this is what you want to do on a podcast, right? Uh, you want to show things. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Here's one. Here's a Kronk Angel. I'm probably gonna sell some of these pretty soon online. It's a robe. Robe. <laughs> Patrick Warburton did a voice in Animal Crackers too. I can't believe it. I mean, um, you know, when Scott and I were casting the movie, I got to work with three, three or four um, different voices that I worked with on other Disney movies, and um, so it was. That was really cool. That was special for me. Yeah, it was a big reunion. <laughs> yeah. So I'll Scott, what was Scott, your though. background before? Yeah, I, I'm um, sorry, Tony. I film. think next time I should be the opening act because how am I supposed <laughs> to follow that? I know. <laughs> like, yeah, I did Lion King and you know Mulan and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and. It's yeah. fine. This is my first movie, so the end. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I I I was I went to art school uh, to be an illustrator. And so I was a painter. Um, I took an internship uh, at Sega of America doing 16-bit games. And uh, so I did uh, old Genesis games. And then I did arcade games and uh, Star Trek covers for Malibu Comics, Mortal Kombat, 
then I got to do my dream job of being the artist on Spider-Man. Ooh, and oh, nice. then uh, we moved to Franklin, Tennessee, and I just we had our we had our kids, uh, twin boys, and I started writing books for them, and that's where Animal Crackers came from. And my grandparents are secret agents, pet robots, Cameron and his dinosaurs, uh, all my other stories that I wrote for them. And uh, and then six years ago, we started making this movie, and uh, and you know that's been a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Sounds easy when he says it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little hop, skip, and a jaunt. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's amazing that both of you have like all of this, you know, experience and like in your own respective industries and how that has come together to make this movie. And speaking of coming together, how did you two initially meet to and end up coming up with the idea? Hey, let's make a feature animated animated feature movie for this. Well, we first we first met actually on a panel that we were both on. We had never met before, and we were at Fuller Institute, uh, believe it or not, and we were doing something about faith in comics and animation. And entertainment. And entertainment, yeah. Yeah. And um, we'd both been asked by a mutual friend to join the panel and um, kind of hit it off. I you know I got to meet a, a couple different people on that panel that I've known now for years, but Scott and I really hit it off because he had a, a keen love of animation. I love comic books and I thought it was so cool that he was doing this. He did the Spider-Man CG version of, of the comic book that Marvel put out and we were just getting to talk to each other and I think it was just kind of a mutual admiration society almost instantly. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I, I liked Tony because, uh, you know, there was four of us on the panel. It was uh, Van Partible who created Johnny Bravo uh, Jim Kruger and uh, the two of us and uh, I didn't have to do much talking uh, <laughs> a lot of like, blowhards yeah, is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I love having you around because you know you can do all the talking and I could sit in the back but uh, no it was a really good relationship and uh, we just yeah we did hit it off and it was just around the time that you were leaving Disney and you were starting up Tunacious right yeah, and it was a it was a time in my life where, as a Christian, I was feeling a kind of a spiritual pull to to leave Disney and start my own animation company that was doing faith based projects, and I did that for um, for about four years before we transitioned into doing more um, work for higher things. And again, that's where my relationship with Scott um, um, uh, really started to expand again because he came back into my life as I called him. We were doing some commercial work and we had a Hasbro commercial. And I remembered that Scott was, you know, a master of all trades and he's done CG animation and all this. So um, I called him up because it was going to be a CG animated. Uh, and we were, we were a studio that was doing mostly primarily 2D animation at that time, but wanted to branch into CG. So I called Scott and he was kind of an all-in-one studio, um, him and a couple of his friends and cohorts really animated the whole commercial and we got to talking again and kind of back into each other's lives which was cool yeah it was fun it was a little miniature golf game and uh and this uh girl she's she puts it and it bounces like goes onto the moon and it bounces off these alien heads and uh and i remember tony was basically giving me training because you know back in the late 90s or you know in the 90s when i was learning animation it was just computer animation was just if you could work a computer you're an animator there was no training in animation and so 
having Tony come in and teach me all the fundamentals and he was directing the the commercial uh, that was probably the best thing I'd ever animated ever you know because I had Tony there directing it <laughs> yeah. and so it just made it it was such it was such a good little cute little thing um, I, I, that was just such a fun thing and I, and I knew we just we really really liked working together and god that was that was almost, I, I want to say yeah that was that was about 20 years ago right yeah, around oh, 2002 yeah. ish, maybe. That's I don't know, how long but, ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, wow. and Scott was always the idea guy. You know, um, I was the guy, the animation guy, the drawing guy, I guess. But Scott was always the uh, the idea guy, and we would just go out to lunch and we'd kind of dream about what it would be to um, animate your own feature films. And we were starting to really get into developing our own ideas and our own concepts for feature films at my company, Tunacious. And Scott had all these great graphic novels because that's how he started. And he was, you know, illustrating and getting his own ideas illustrated as graphic novels. And one of them was Animal Crackers. And I remember seeing it early on. And um, I think it was those early conversations where in those dreams really kind of dream casting of what would it be to make our own animated feature? Um, little did we know that it would take another I don't know, 15 years before we actually <laughs> got together. And, you know, I mean, it was that wasn't 15 hour, years of just making the film, but, you know, it was another five years before we started getting serious about it. And probably when Scott first went out looking for investment and another five years after that, he got investment. And then we were able to start kicking off like pre-production and, and the whole film took about what, two years to complete? Yeah, two, two and a half years to make and then three years of sitting. Yeah, so we finished it. In, I mean, that's the big part of the story that people I know people like to talk about is that we um, it was a journey making this film Animal Crackers from the the dream casting that we had earlier on to actual finishing it in 2017 and going out to Annecy International, which is a animation film festival in France, happens every year, and we actually premiered it there in 2017. Got a lot of great accolades and you know variety. And Hollywood Reporter gave us these great critiques and reviews. There was people all of a sudden, you know, knocking on Scott's door asking for distribution and talking about deals and things like that. And we thought, oh, this is going to happen. This is going. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about there, Scott. Oh God, no. It I... was kind of nightmare <laughs> after nightmare after that of meeting and connecting with kind of the wrong Hollywood people that all just wanted in their greed, just wanted a piece of this film for nothing and 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 then um, suing for this and that and legal stuff and bankruptcies and yeah, it was it was crazy. It was really, really crazy. And uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're at the point where we're still in disbelief that the movie's even out there. Uh, <laughs> it just is just you know, it's, it, it's really still hard to believe because we've been living with it for so long. And, uh, yeah. and you go through those those three years of just, will anybody see this, you know? And we, we were really proud of it. We really um, poured our heart and soul into it and to just have it just sit for three mm -hmm. years. Um, and I would go onto Twitter and I would, you know, plead and, and I would, you know, I, I've, I've always been the vocal one for that because, you know... Um, there's there's two different minds when it comes to Hollywood. Um, there's the don't rock the boat 
and then there's the the boat rockers, I guess. But um, Scott's a boat I, rocker. I'm a boat sure. rocker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I just I I, I hate bullies. I, I hate bullies, and uh, and so I I try to stand up. And I don't I don't have a lot of followers. I don't have a lot of power. Um, but I just. I, I can't sit by and not say anything and just and you know and that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's my that's the way I react to this stuff and I and I try never to be mean about it but if if something's if there's an injustice I have to say something and uh, but you know unfortunately in Hollywood that usually tends to give you a bad reputation mm. <laughs> he's a boat rocker you know <laughs> I like that Tony guy he doesn't rock the boat. He does good stuff, you know. Easy so going. we make we make a good team that way, you know, because yeah. uh, Tony Tony is beloved, and uh, you know, I, I I worry that sometimes I'm ruining his career <laughs> these last three years. By, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. really, I'm so sorry, Tony. I no, I feel like I have to respond to that now. Um, <laughs> you know, from from my point of view, Animal Crackers was um, a creative joy. It was because it was, it was me and Scott and Jamie Thompson, um, the main producer on it and creative producer, um, and, and it really came down to just a real small handful of us, uh, the three mostly that I just talked about, plus our, our screenwriter also that worked on it with Scott, um, and we really worked through a lot of the story stuff. It was such a small group that I really enjoyed that freedom. That was the opposite that I had working at Disney, right? So when you're mm-hmm. on when I was directing a film like Mulan, you know, it's kind of it's way too many kitchens and uh, cooks in the kitchen um, and too many kitchens at that, too. And uh, <laughs> we and it was just always constant input. And it was so hard to uh, oftentimes to see your unique vision and see it through and be consistent and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just added a lot of stress level, whereas this was just kind of a like Scott always says, creative bliss. bliss. It really was. It was like. <laughs> Yeah. From from day one, we just had fun. Like, and there was nobody to stop us. Not an investor, <laughs> not a studio executive. Nobody was was there to stop us. So we could just kind of go, "Oh, that sounds funny. We should do that." And there was almost like this pause of like, <laughs> "Yeah, but we can't do that." Oh wait, no, we can. <laughs> we can. Yay! <laughs> I think that's why the Queen song fits us so perfectly. Don't stop me now. Yeah. 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 It, yeah that it, was kind of was... an anthem. It was, it was. I mean, it, it really was um, so fun. I remember we were we were sitting around looking at the storyboards and uh, there was a segment of the movie where Ian McKellen is monologuing. And this was, you know, I mean, we're just like, it's Ian McKellen. He could read the phone book and it'd sound great, you know. But yeah. it's like, well, how do we spice this up? How do we... And, and, and I guess it's typical me. And I was like, well, what if he breaks out into song? <laughs> it was like, well, there's a couple problems with that. You know, one, we don't know how to write music. And two, he's a Shakespearean actor. He doesn't sing. And uh, I was like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll just we'll just go for it. <laughs> and sure enough, we went out and we got uh, Dan and Swampy, who, who, do, who created Phineas and Ferb. They wrote us yeah. a song. Uh, and... Uh, and then we somehow convinced Ian McKellen to do a duet with Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> the only movie where you can say this happens, by the way. Yeah. It, 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 but the I think it's just, movie, yes. it's that kind of absurdity that just was so fun. We just 
had fun with it. And, um, and, and I mean, I, I don't have anything to compare it to. So I love, I love it that Tony can compare it to working for Disney and doing Mulan and, and, uh, and that he loved doing it so much, but it, it really was, um, how I'd always envisioned making a movie. I mean, you know, meeting the stars and working with the musicians and just having pure create. I, 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 my very first movie, I didn't have all of those limitations and restrictions that every other movie maker does. And so I, I, I totally spoiled. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it was, yeah, there's, there's just not much to add to that except for, yeah. you know, I just, <laughs> just it, it the the first amazing thing that happened because when we first started on it it was like let's make a cute little film and you know kind of like i've got a garage and you've got a script <laughs> and i can do voices you know let's just put on a show and it really started that way um and scott brought in uh the first 10 million 11 million dollars that got it underway and we thought that's all the money we would have but then we started going after we created a wish list of of the actors that we wanted to work with and represent the characters and scott already had this huge i mean i was looking at his his first initial wish list i'm like we're never gonna get these people. <laughs> i mean just having worked at disney we never would have gotten the cast that we got and, and i want danny devito and i want ian yes. mckellen and i want this and tony's like you'll get nothing and like it spalding <laughs> Go sit in the corner. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, um, but that's the thing that I love about Scott too, is that because he has that kind of renegade, um, you know, anti-Hollywood kind of attitude, there's also that element of like, why can't we? We should at least try, you know, and let's just do it. Let's just go after him. And sure enough, it was Ian McKellen that agreed first. And um, he had just his agent and he, I guess, read the scripts, liked it. And that was the thing that we had going for us. Scott and his co-writer, Dean Laurie, had written a, a really nice script. And, and I had written, uh, read, read a lot of scripts at that point um, for other independent animated features. And when Scott presented me this script that he had written, it was the best thing I had writ read in quite a while. It had heart, it had charm to it. It was a great family story. Um, there was a lot of humor to it. Um, so I could already, it was just like setting off all these images and excitement in my head, just reading the script. And that's always a great sign. And then, um, and a lot of great animation moments too, that I could see coming to life. Um, and we just pushed that. It just continually um, went into like, you know, when we started creating the songs and some of the visuals and stuff in the songs are some of my favorite moments because they're just spectacular and otherworldly and things that you won't, you don't see in a live action Danny DeVito circus movie. So, um, so that was really cool. But yeah, once we got um, Ian McKellen, then all of a sudden some of these other offers that we had out, I think it was Sylvester Stallone and Danny DeVito were next. Yeah, right? they were next. And they were like, oh, you got, you know, it adds credibility. You get, yeah. you mm -hmm. get Surrey and McKellen in your film, Gandalf. <laughs> And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, I wouldn't have considered that. Because we were a nothing, nobody little studio. We were like this little engine that could, that nobody had heard of. Um, and I had some credits, and we had some other great um, people in our team that had some credits. And Jamie Thompson, who was our casting director and voice director, he had some awesome credits and relationships. That all helped. But at the end of the day, we were 
an unknown studio that had never made it an animated feature altogether and there was really no reason that they these big actors could, should have taken a chance on us but for some reason and I really think that was like the first miracle of Animal Crackers they all st started coming on and then it was like down to Owen and Zoe our last characters to cast and we didn't know. We didn't know what to do with those characters, especially Owen, who was the main star of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't cast. And I don't know. Do you want to tell a little bit about how? Yeah, I'll tell the story because this is funny. Uh, <laughs> this yeah, is your we, embarrassing story. It is embarrassing. Yes, this is embarrassing for me. And so it's better that it comes from me. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah. So picture it's 2014. We've got the whole cast is 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 there. Everybody but Owen and Zoe. And um, Jamie Thomason, our casting director, says, I'm going to run a name by you, John Krasinski. And I said, never heard of him. Uh, I'd never seen The Office. Sorry, it wasn't anybody that I knew. And he's like, well, trust me. He's really funny. Um, okay, okay, I trust you. So uh, Tony and, and Jamie send me some clips. And sounds like a really funny guy. Okay, good. So I fly out to... Uh, from Nashville to uh, Los Angeles and uh, John Krasinski was the first day and then Danny DeVito and Raven Simone was the second day and uh, we go through our session with John and he's fantastic he's just amazing he's he is Owen I mean we're like okay this is it he's he is hilarious he's great he's 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 your everyman um, afterwards he's packing up and I, I just go in just to go thank him. This is my first time, you know, thanks for what a wonderful, it was literally the first day of, of recording. So this is so good. And, uh, and he's like, oh, no problem. He goes, I love the script. He goes, you know, my wife really loved the script. She just thought it was so unique. And, and so now I didn't know who he was married to because I didn't know who he was. So I was just like, oh, well, please thank your wife for me. <laughs> Fortunately, the mics were hot. And Tony comes running in and <laughs> Jamie comes running in and they're like, you know, would she want to be in the movie? I'm like, why are you asking this poor man why his wife wants to be in the movie? You know, I mean, we're still, we'll find somebody eventually. Just give it some time. Yeah, Don't be so, yeah, yeah. you know, and they're like, just shut up, just shut up. And so John picks up his phone. And he goes, hey, babe, you want to be in the film? And she tweets or she, you know, texts back and says, yeah. And that's how Emily came on the film. And it was just. I was like, I mean, it was literally within five minutes. We had one of the biggest A-list stars attached wow. to the movie. Yeah. And it was all because wow. they already had a relationship and she had already read lines against, uh, I think, John, her husband, and kind of really just fell in love with it. It was also just the, the kismet timing of they had just had a baby. I think they were really into the ideas of being, being parents. Mm -hmm. um, so even the, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know they go into this when they're driving up, the two characters are driving up in their little minivan to a food cart or food food uh sorry fruit stand and they like go fruit stand who wants bananas and i like to eat 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 apples and bananas <laughs> they start singing this song and that was not in the script yeah had, they just kind of went into it and we we're like did they write this song do we well you, it's funny because i posted the um I was filming pretty much everything on my iPhone, like the whole experience. So I posted one of them on Instagram and you could see 
Emily starts off and John's like going, what is she? Okay, I think I see where this is going. And then he, he kind of comes in towards the second verse, you know, but it was just, it was so spur of the moment. They didn't plan that. She just yeah. jumped right into it and he followed along and it was so good. But uh, Tony and I, we had to go back after their sessions together. We had to go back and redo, re-storyboard all of Owen and Zoe scenes because they had improvised 50% of it, you know, yeah. it, it, it was so much. And she was laughing so much that if you look, you'll see in the movie, she's always laughing. She's, <laughs> he's got her giggling. So we just kept it in there. You know, she's just, it was, it was their first movie together. They were so excited. Um, and they were just joyous. I mean, they were so, so funny and so fun and so genuine that it really reflected the heart that I wanted to be, uh, in the movie it, it really did yeah and to, and and just to clarify it was their first film together because we recorded them like six years ago so mm -hmm. we got to think about that was before a quiet place yeah and actually you know at the end of the one of our last recording sessions um you know it was john that was talking about going off to work on this new film this new independent that he was making uh, kind of a horror film and so i think that was even before he had cast emily in it so you could say that the experience of them, they loved working together so much that we inspired A Quiet Place. <laughs> At least that casting, I think. Otherwise, would he have asked his wife? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but they were so great together. And it, it did feel like with a lot of those moments of them being just truly parents in that. I mean, now that you say it, it was all just like improvised, I'm like, I felt like it was a real, it was real in those moments. So I, yeah. now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I believed it. <laughs> yeah. If you go back and you watch that scene, I wrote, uh, Mackenzie says, I'm hungry. And uh, Zoe says, oh, well, there's a fruit stand. That's all I wrote. Right. So John yeah. improvised. Well, she's hungry. Uh, do you have any? And she's like, no, there's nothing. I would check, check, check underneath the uh, underneath the sunglasses. I'm looking on this. Look under the sunglasses, you know. And there was, oh, well, look, look. I mean, all of that was improvised. I was like, I wrote two lines, and there was like, you know, thirty seconds of you know stuff that they filled in. And what was really, I really like, uh, and it was really kind of cute because. Um, as we were listening to it and we were blocking out the animation, she's, they're arguing and, and I don't remember where the idea came from, but it was, well, what if she completely lets go of the steering wheel and she's helping him look in the center console for the thing. And then, so we had the car kind of drifting off the road and he kind of looks up last second and grabs the wheel for her. And that's when she looks up and says, Fruit. so it's just like all these like little subtle things that were so funny that came because of that ad lib. Um, right. It's just really, really cute. I just, I, I love the swerving off the road. The only thing I would have added if we had a chance would maybe be the sound of, you know, like those little bumps on the side of the road when you're going off the road. Why didn't we do that, Scott? <laughs> we never got a chance to, really. We never had that that sit-down session. Hindsight's so 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not too late to change it, is it? <laughs> we'll hey, ask Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Oh, that, I love that. And, and actually, I did feel like there were a lot of those moments when you said that they ad-libbed. 
that the back and forth, even not just them as parents, but them between as, like as husband and wife, saying like, you know, is that a thing? The, the whole getting stuck behind a pizza tr- pizza oh, truck yeah. thing. Was like, is yeah. that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a it's thing. Totally I'm like, it's a, like yeah. that, the whole it's back and forth. It's 100 a thing. <laughs> the other one that they totally ad libbed was uh, when he's about to eat the bear cookie to to scare off Mario. He's like, now open up the, the back trunk gate. Because he couldn't remember the name of it. And so they just kind of went with it. Open up the back trunk gate. What trunk gate? The back thing. The the, the gate. The what gate, the gate or the lift? or the They were just, and it was just <laughs> <laughs> so hilarious. Right. And it's like, there's so many. I mean, the crazy thing is there's probably only 10% of it made it into the film. I mean, they're just, because they would give us like so many different takes just even in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There was there was one um that I posted on Instagram. If you go to the Animal Crackers Instagram, you'll see a ton of these. But there was one where, um, when Zoe decides to take over the circus, um, she, he, you know, she goes, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do it." And he says, "He says, uh, Zoe, you can't. You, you, you know, you're gonna inherit the your father's company." She goes, "I don't care. I've always wanted to do this." And he goes, "Well, I've always wanted to play play baseball, but you don't see me playing for the Yankees, you know." And she's, <laughs> and there's this whole back and forth. I mean, we just didn't wind, wind didn't wind up using it, but it is so funny. Just they they would probably give us what five or six takes of the same thing, and each one was funnier than the last. Yeah, and it was really just like what a great. What, as a director, what a great responsibility and job that you have just going, which one's the funniest, which one's yeah. the best? <laughs> That's a good problem to have, you know? Yeah. Because oftentimes, I, I remember at Disney, there was many, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's there was actors that we recorded where it was like, oh boy, uh, we're going to have to chop a little piece from this and we'll use, you know, from this take, mm-hmm. we'll use the how are you and then, then from this take, it'll be the, you know, and we'll literally edit together a performance, but with these two, uh, like Scott's been saying, there was just such a magic there that it was almost like, let's get out of the way. Let's just move <laughs> away from them and let them go. You know, let them go yeah. to their place. And they, they found that happy place. I, you know, I think everybody gave us their A game. Yeah. Uh, as far as the actors go, everybody gave us their A game. I remember this was really funny. Jamie Thompson, our casting director, he noodles every single take right right tony i mean he yeah. will if you say you know um oh look there's a fruit stand he'll go okay okay that was really good emily can you go oh look there's a fruit stand you know and they're like, okay now can you emphasize stand now and he'll make that now he didn't really do that much with john and emily because they were just kind of really going for it but there was just a funny thing where he was trying to do it to danny devito and danny's like would have nothing, none of it, right? Yeah, I mean, Tony, yeah. remember he was just Danny's like, yeah. yeah, I got it, kid. I've done this before, you know. And so, yeah. and so, poor Jamie, because Jamie's such a control freak. He's like, he's like, but I've got to give notes. And I was, and so my, my motto was always, Jamie, let go and let Danny do it. You know, it was just, it was yeah. just, just let him do it. Just let, let him go, go and let and, Danny. Yeah, yep, let it. go and let Danny. <laughs> but uh, Danny, Danny was just, I was nervous. Is my first film. Um, and I was nervous that Danny was going to be a curmudgeon because that's, you know, right. that's the character he always plays. And he, and, and, and a little bit was, it was, was, it didn't help that he was, he was like to Jamie, at least, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm doing. So he's kind of curmudgeon but he just jumped into this joyous, cl- I mean, cause you're, you're doing a clown, which if you don't do it perfectly, it's scary. And right. so, <laughs> right. and he, yeah. he goes scary just, quick. 
Yeah, <laughs> he just did it so wonderfully. It was so so fun, and yeah. uh, I loved I loved doing it. By the way, I don't know about you, Tony, but I got everybody's autograph. I got. Everybody's, <laughs> I, I, no, I was you just, did. I did not. I was foolish, and I I don't. You have, were professional. See, I I, 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 I didn't I get nearly as many autographs. I wish I, I got John's autograph. I got Emily's autograph. I got pictures. I got Emily to to send a video to my wife saying hi. I I was just well, we got one for your daughter from Emily too, right? Yeah, no, yeah, we did get that, and I yeah. that's still like a prize jewel. My my oldest daughter, she was a big fan of um, Devil Wears Prada. Oh you yeah, know, she grew up with that, and Emily Blunt's like first movie, right? And so ever since that movie, she's loved Emily Blunt. And so when I told her that, and she was like, Ah, oh, I just would love to be. There. I said, Oh, we can't have you in the recording session. It's a pretty small space, so you know what, I'll get her to say something to you in a video. And sure enough, Emily was so sweet. And she just yeah. said, hi, Caitlin, you know, Emily <laughs> Blunt. And uh, I met your father and I could see why you don't like him. And you know, she, was just, <laughs> she was like, so, so funny. She's just off the wall. And uh, my daughter got it. I got a lot of brownie points that day when I brought it home. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> We we did we had her do um, we had everybody do a, a message for the studio in Valencia, mm. and uh, Emily's was so funny. She goes, "Hi, I'm Emily Blunt. I'm playing the part of Zoe." She says, um, "And this is my first professional job with my real life husband, John Krasinski. I'm way better than him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and speaking of, speaking of the team, I mean, we yeah, it wasn't just about the cast too. We just had such a wonderful team in Valencia, Spain. So that was our, they were our production partners on the film and, and, and so much more than just partners. I mean, I think when you say that these days, especially about an animated film, it's like, oh, well, they're the hired help. And, you know, it wasn't like that at all. Um, you know, our, our team in, in Spain were um, true partners. They were part of the family of making yeah. this movie. Yeah. And um, Scott knew him for many, many years uh, before Animal Crackers came about. He had done some some freelance and little gigs with them, commercials and things. And it was uh, a, a relationship started a long time ago, but they had always wanted to do, like all these animation studios all around the world, their dream is to do an animated feature and really put their name on it and be a part of it. And uh, we were able to give them that in Animal Crackers. And the, the, the way they rose to the occasion, whether they had the experience or not, and most of them didn't, was just amazing because they put their their true passion, their heart and soul into it. It's exactly what you want. It's what I experienced when I worked at a smaller Disney studio in Orlando, the Disney MGM Studios, um, Florida studio. We made great films there, Mulan and Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear because there was a smallness to it, a familiness uh, quality to the staff, to the crew, that we all loved each other and supported each other and believed in the projects we were making. And that's what we had in Valencia. And um, I just can't say enough about what they could yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we, uh, it, was, it was family. You know, it really was. It was, it was family and uh, they, they got a treat though. They got, I would send Tony out there as often as possible and Tony would go and Is spend- Is that the treat? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we, we actually made him brownies, that was the treat. Yeah, but but no, but they they um, they got to be taught by Tony Bancroft, so you know he was there teaching them and and uh, just shaping the style and the look and and 
I would see his his drawings. He would like one one really good one. This one always I always love this. Every time you see the scene where Zoe is smashing uh, Hamster Owen with her purse, and he comes up, he's like, "But wait, I'm not a hamster or a mouse. I'm a hamster." Uh, yeah. It, it's it's every pose that you see was you know uh, was drawn by Tony. He would draw it out in this beautiful Disney style, and they would copy that shape and he and i still wish you kept those drawings i think I you did them digitally them. don't you uh yeah i did them in shotgun they were all digital oh. so yeah i don't they were don't gorgeous them. drawings just just the flow just if you look at them if you pause those and you look at those shapes they're just beautiful they're just beautiful and those are that was tony sitting with them and just drawing those uh drawing those out and he would do that all the time and it was just amazing i think the 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 hardest part for us was because of the low budget we could only give notes on one out of ten shots so for the most part you know we we just there wasn't the budget to keep going and to make the changes but whenever you see a shot that really really shines those are the ones where tony got to sit down and really really help them out and um, so it's like one out of every ten shots is this beautiful shot you know, no it, it 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 just got the extra attention that well yeah and, it and, and, how, and how you do that is you you know if, if you're smart about it you try and hit those you know one out of ten shots early in the production you know you spend the most time early on and that's where you're really um going over drawings and saying this is what i want and this is how it should go and think about this and and then after that you could really step away uh, and, and and a good animation team you know, we'll pick up on what you're looking for. We'll start to understand uh, the goals and the, the milestones and they'll take it on themselves. And that's what we had with the team in Spain is that I did spend a lot of time early on. But then after that, they started, man, they just were hitting it out of the park. You set the bar. You yeah, kind of set it, you it set the bar for them and then they were able to, to, to hit it. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and uh, another part of that was, how did you get um, Carter Goodrich on board? Because his designs <laughs> were a lot of fun. <laughs> That's was, another that was... Scott story. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy yeah, Scott. My, my, motto, yeah, my motto is, it can't hurt to ask. Um, I, I just, you know, Tony knows everybody in the industry for the most part. <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things where Tony was like, well, I, you know, I kind of know this person, I know that person, I know this person, but you know, it, it wasn't one of, one of the things where I think you were working on getting, building the team for a story at the time. And yeah. so I just, this was just one of those things where we got off the phone and I went, well, let me go see what I could do. This was like a spur of the moment. I went on to IMDb because I didn't know anybody. I went on to IMDb and I looked up my favorite movies and I would scroll down to character designer and I would write the names down and one name kept popping up and it was Carter Goodrich. And so I was like, okay, let's see if I can find out who this Carter Goodrich is. So I used my Google foo and I found his website and I just emailed him and said, contact me. So I was like, okay. And I emailed him and I sent him the little animated short that we had done. Uh, and, um, and I said, I'm, my name is Scott and I'm making a movie and that's my first movie and I'd love it if you come and work on, on it with me. And uh, he emailed me back a couple days later and said, um, I'm really busy, but send me a script and if it's something that I like, I'll consider it. And uh, so I sent it to him and I think I sent it to him on a Friday and he called me on a Monday and said, I read the script. I absolutely love it. I'm in. 
I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't get to the part where we don't have much of a budget, <laughs> you know. So, you know, this isn't Disney. This isn't Pixar, you know. Because, um, I mean, he had done, Carter Goodrich had done Monsters, Inc., Ratatouille, Brave, Despicable Me, Finding Nemo, you know, yeah. The Crudes. Uh, after that, he did Coco. Um, I mean, he's done just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, but uh, he he just, well, he, like everybody else, like the, like the musicians, like the actors, like all of us, we all worked for much less than, you know, what would have been a normal rate because they, they love the project. And Carter came on board and I remember he was so used to working in the Disney system, just like Tony, that he would send he would send designs here's here's you know five designs of chesterfield and tony and i would go all right well okay i won't use chesterfield because tony and i was the one that tony and i disagreed on (laughs) okay but we'll say here's five designs for buffalo bob and we go we like that one and tony would say okay well what are the notes no he's great no i don't understand look it's perfect you know no no i i don't understand what you know and then he'd get mad Okay, so you guys are playing games with me. You know, I don't have time for these games. We're like, seriously, because he was so used to six months of reworking it because of, old well, marketing has a few notes. Accounting has a few notes. And these <laughs> right. people have a few notes, you know. And, and, and it was just me and Tony. Yeah. And if Tony and I, like I said, Chesterfield was the only one we disagreed on. But other than that, it was, you know, if Tony and I liked it, it was good. And it, it took him a good three, four months to finally feel comfortable with that, I think. Right. I, I must feel like he was just so used to the, you know, the the industrial pipeline of Disney and Pixar and some of these big studios that it just didn't feel right. You know, like, wait, it's got to go through some iterations, right? It can't just be my first vision for this. And it wasn't really, I mean, uh, to tell you the truth, he would do, he would give us a stack of like yeah. four or five different yeah. versions and they were all unique and they were all fabulous. So um, really, it was just going, okay, well, I mean, that's it. That looks perfect. That's great. Now, and we Everything also, was a, a work of art with him. Yeah. And we also wanted him to touch every character. And the only way you can do that on a small independent is to not fiddle so much, to let him kind of go and trust him so that he can go through more characters. And we had a lot of characters and clowns and, you know, incidental and animals on top of it and we wanted him to at least do one pass of every character, which he did. Yeah. Yeah. One guy did all of the designs. It was really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you guys want to know? <laughs> I, uh, I was no, we love say, this I'm stuff. Like, so yeah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, I was going to say, I'm like, you guys can keep going on and on because I'm like, I was going to say, I'm like, oh, well, here I have a question. No, they already covered that. <laughs> yeah, so, so the problem yeah. is, is Tony and I can go on and on. Yeah. Uh, That's why we're pausing. I think also just so we could breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say uh, your favorite aspect of production. What was your what, each of you for both of you together? What was your favorite part of production? I mean, for me, definitely animation. And to me, that's where there's a lot of life that as an animator, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago that it's great to have great voices that's but that's 50% of the character the other 50% is what the animator contributes I love that example that Scott was talking about earlier about um, the the improv that Emily and and John gave us in that car scene when they're going towards the fruit stand 
because that's a great example of how the animators took an improv moment from John and Emily and improved it by putting in this little, you know, taking the hands off the wheel thing and, and then the, whoa, whoa, we gotta adjust there and stuff. They're listening to the dialogue, but then they're trying to add so much more to the visuals that, that takes it farther. Um, and a good animator, that's what they do. And it was just such a joy for me to be able to see these characters just come to life. And that was my favorite part. <laughs> I, I think mine was, I loved waking up in the morning because, you know, I'm in Franklin, Tennessee. Tony was in L.A., so he, he got to go into the, we had a little office uh, and he got to go work with the storyboard team and with, you know, the other rest of the team. And then there was Jaime, our, our director in, in Valencia, Spain. And so he was with the team of 100 people. And so it was just me and my wife. And um, one of the, the thing I loved was there was a, a good year where there was a really good rhythm of I would wake up in the morning and they're seven hours ahead of us. So I would wake up in the morning and there would be 50 or 60 shots in the software shotgun that I would get to go and give notes on. And um, basically it's whatever little notes or, or, or approvals. Um, and I love that. I love that, just that solitary, I, my, you know, my wife would make some scones and I would drink some tea and I would just sit there and I'm, I'm making a movie, you know, in the comfort of like my hobby. Like a British little animation director. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, it was a really nice rhythm that I remember just really enjoying. And because uh, everything was so chaotic at the beginning and so chaotic at the end, there was a, there was a good period of time where we just were content because we were making a movie and things were kind of just cruising and and uh and i i remember that and i and i really really just i miss that yeah it i mean you know making an animated film is like watching you know paint dry oftentimes <laughs> because it's such a long and arduous thing but you got to love the process you really do you have to kind of take in every moment every day and go no, there are subtle changes that are happening. There's things that are improving every single day. Um, and so if you're really into the minutia of making animation, there's little joys that happen every day that keep you going. Yeah, it's all in the subtleties when it comes to animation and how much you can get into a performance and how much an animator is a performer. They're just putting that energy into some into their own creation and uh yeah, it's always, you know, you got to love the process, absolutely, because of how much goes into it. And it was it was clear how much went into this movie and how much went into the designs, how much went into character animation, how much it went into I mean, every shot is so colorful and so incredible that I, it was just a joy to watch all the way through. And I felt that, you know, it felt like this was a long time coming and it built up to this moment and seeing it all come together was fantastic so thank you that means thank a you. lot to us thank you yeah thanks yeah. guys i, I mean that. honestly like i said it, up until 10 days ago we'd never thought the movie was going to come out and <laughs> oh it was just i mean we had just kind of resigned to the fact that you know it was it was a good experience but no one's ever going to be able to see it and I, yeah i mean literally scott and i would call each other over the last couple of years and you know, just check in. I, I would call Scott on a Monday morning. Hey, man, how's it going? What's the word? And he would tell me all these laments. <laughs> I, I would try and pick him up. You know, I mean, I, and I think that's what we did for each other over the over the drought of distribution hell. 
was, you know, try and pick each other up because uh, there was definitely times where I'm like, this is not going to happen. Nobody's going to see this. I, it just didn't seem fathomable in my mind that, that people wouldn't see this movie. We had put so much effort into it. There was so much love and passion and, you know, A-list talent uh, apart yeah. and attached to this film that I thought there's just no way it's not going to come out. And yet it wasn't. And that was the that was the most astonishing thing to me, I guess, is that you can put that kind of work and effort and love into something and then still have a difficult time selling it to people that they can't they can't see it. It just seems so obvious that, you know, we had something unique there. But, you know, when you're a parent of something that you create, like we were of this, you kind of start to doubt yourself and go, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just <laughs> think my my teenage son doesn't have pimples, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, you know, one of the things that I did really appreciate too was, you know, you would call me, Bear McCreary would call me, Patrick Warburton would call me, um, Huey Lewis would call me, Michael Buble would call me. You know, like yeah. everybody was, was trying to keep me going um, because I was dealing with all of the legal stuff. I was dealing with all the distribution stuff. I was dealing with all this stuff and, and it was just, it was depressing. I mean, there's no other way of saying it, you know. So I would get a call from Tony or I'd get a call from, you know, and, and, and it was, it was uh, James Arnold Taylor plays uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and obviously Buffalo Bob. Um, he, every day for the last two years, has sent me a different Bible verse and just sends me a text Aww. with a different Bible verse. Wow. And, and just to encourage me, just to keep me going, um, you know, I... Uh, I remember I went out uh, one year and Tara Strong had me come over and I got to just hang out with her and her dog or big, that big fluff. I don't know if you've seen, but she's got this huge dog, you know, and just, but you know, everybody has been so good and so um, encouraging. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, it, it, it did not feel like this day would ever come, but uh I don't know if I don't know if I would have been able to make it without the friends that I made, you know. And, well, now uh, I want to I want to can I take over the podcast and ask Scott a question real quick? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Tony podcast. Forgive me, ladies. I know. <laughs> forgive me. Uh, all right. So it's been a week, Scott. A um, little bit over a week now. Uh, you've had two weekends now of your film being out on Netflix. I know you're on social media all the time because I see your posts and your reactions to people. It's been. It's been incredible. I know I can say that for myself just to see what people have been saying about your movie. So how has it been for you to see now the audience reaction? It's been amazing. I have people sending me pictures of and videos of their kids sitting down watching it and they're saying this is they're watching it for their 10th time. Um, it's it's it is uh, you know I, I I've been getting I've been answering, this is no lie, I've been answering two to 3,000 comments a day um, <laughs> across every platform. And, um, and just to hear people saying you know, something like, um, this, is, this is exactly what my family needed during this time, uh, makes me feel so good. I, I, people ask me if I'm elated, and, um, and I can't say yes, because I'd have to be bipolar to go from being so you know, down to go that high. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm happy. I really am happy. I'm just not, you know, uh, 
you know, I just want a new car and the price is right kind of happy, <laughs> you know. I'm not jumping up and down. But I am really happy. I'm very thankful and I'm, and I'm content. Um, but I'm also nervous because I, I worry because this is, again, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what, is this a success? Is, is this a success? I mean, what, what am I to, to judge it against? You know, what happens next week or the week after? Um, will, this just, will this moment just be a moment of time and then gone and then I never make another movie? I just don't know. There's so many what ifs that my mind is going a little crazy. But I'm trying to stay in the moment and I'm trying to appreciate every positive thing that I'm, I'm seeing and hearing and reading. And uh, I love that answer because I think it's totally it's one. It's totally honest and it's totally Scott because, <laughs> um, you know, because it, I, and I totally connect with that, too, Scott, because I would say, too, that I'm really elated. Also, now I, I don't do what he does and answer every single text and comment. <laughs> I get. Um, but I might like it. Ding. You know, I'll do that. You've been noticed. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I really appreciate it. And it makes me feel wonderful. But I, what I connect with and what Scott's saying is that for, you know, three years of, you know, oh, it looks like it's going to happen. It's going to come out and then it doesn't. And it's actually worse. Somebody's suing you or whatever. And all these kind of legal battles, too that happen along the way, you're always kind of waiting for that other foot to uh, other shoe to drop. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I recognize that what Scott's saying is there's probably that sense of this is great. This is great. But what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. You know, is it gonna, is it gonna, is there a downside to this? And so, you know, but that's the hard thing in life is that you don't really appreciate, um, you know, oftentimes the big joys in your life until 2020 hindsight, until <laughs> you see it later and you look back. Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll I'm experiencing it now. I'm, I'm in the middle of it now. So I'll let you guys Enjoy know it. in a year or so. Yeah. Enjoy it, Scott. You deserved it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for making it happen. <laughs> oh, you guys are adorable. <laughs> we're just gonna have a big group hug here just like you know weeping. the odd couple but like you know but in, but in a nice way i guess <laughs> yeah yeah i think odds odds a good description for us <laughs> <laughs> i think so too i mean you know it's a mutual admiration society really but we are we are totally opposite in many many ways and that's true you, you picked up on that but um but we also just really admire each other and I mean, I guess that's what I love about artists is that we're all so uniquely different. Um, and um, I look at artists that, and, you know, and, and I'll just speak as an artist now because you go on Instagram and there's always that sense of, oh my gosh, look at what she's doing or look what he's yeah. doing. <laughs> and I could never do that. And then, you know, you get a comment from that very same artist about something you post and they're like, this is amazing. I could never do something like this. And you're like, oh, they think that they think they can't think they must be lying you know <laughs> I mean, it's just like this that can't be true because i love them so much they don't know um you know and everybody does it it doesn't matter if you're you know a 30-year veteran of the animation industry like myself or i still every day I, I wake up and i feel like an artist that is struggling to get better and to improve and wishing i was better all the time but i yeah. think that's what keeps you going Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that helps just like everyone feel 
you know, sense of like, is I guess, you know, everyone, even if you're like well-rounded as an artist, you might have different strengths. You might like things that some other people don't, you know, there's always the background artist versus the character designer and the animator and the in-betweener and all this, these different, you know, technical parts of the production process essentially. And like, it's hard to be amazing at everything and it's hard to both like every, all the process too. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but yeah, you get like, you get what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I just wanted to say to Scott, because I've also been on the ringer as far as, you know, just dealing with a lot of online um, just stuff in general and like, you know, going up and high because I've we've produced like a like a several like shorts, not like anything to this level, obviously. But, you know, I think I think it's really like, you know, heartwarming that, you know, despite everything, you found your way through it and you made this like, you know, adorable movie that everyone is just happy to be a part of and you know now it's kind of serving like you know whenever it came out is great but the fact that it came out in 2020 when you know like people need an uplifting you know something like something to grab hold to you know i think that's kind of like in an odd way a blessing like not that you know (laughs) not that it's good that it got like you know waited on but the fact that you know it's always like it always warms my heart when like like art can serve like even a greater purpose like that essentially where you know you give you know meaning to something you know that you never intended to but then when you discover that you're just like wow this is this is bigger than me this is bigger than the crew we did something that um affected a lot of different people in different ways and i think that's kind of the point you know thank you thank you i'm hoping so i mean i i my hope was always that what we lacked in budget um, we made up for in heart mm-hmm. and 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 I I hope that some of you know from from my first script to the final you know the final shot I just I hope that some of that got in there and that people can just see the love that we put into it um, mm-hmm. you know it's it's so hard because you're competing against 180 200 million dollar films right you know you're competing against the Pixars and the Disney's and um, and and people expect that level of perfection, and and mm-hmm. I feel like like we just made a Honda Civic, <laughs> and and everybody's everybody's used to driving Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and you know, and and we're like, yeah, but, but this is a really solid car. It's a good car, and we made it with love, and 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 it is, you know, and, and you know, it's just people are so used to these polished, perfect storytelling, you know, perfect, you know, I mean, just it's been worked and reworked and reworked and reworked for seven, eight, nine years until it is absolutely, and they've got this thing down to a science and this is my first time, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, and it's just, and so I, I, my only hope is that people can see past the lack of um, gloss and, and, and see the heart behind it. And, uh, and I, and I, and and I'm seeing some of that, but I guess I just, I, I dare not believe that, it's true you know i'm still i'm still a little hesitant you're like on the edge waiting like okay this is great but like is something bad gonna happen because there's just been so much bad 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 but like i mean i think you know i think you've kind of fought the battle and you can just relax and you know just and you know enjoy it and it seems like from what you're describing that you're already kind of getting that you know positive feedback and it's kind of finding its place you know serving serving its purpose and Lauren and I discuss this a lot when we're, you know, debating, 
Disney movies and how longevity, you know, and even like, you know, maybe if if it does go down from the the rankings, you know, after now that's like been out, I don't want to be a downer, but essentially it's like I think, you know, the children that it impacts, you know, they're the ones that are going to remember it and they're the ones that are going to be inspired by it. And I think that's kind of yeah. also the important thing, too. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, thank you thank guys. You. Thank you guys for having us on your. Show. Oh, it's 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 an it's a pleasure. Oh my gosh, come back <laughs> again, <hear> please. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, well, hopefully we'll be back to talk about Animal Crackers too. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? That's that's not an announcement. I've already I've already got it written and ready to go. It's called yeah. Animal Crackers Two: The Second Batch. <laughs> nice. There you, you heard it here. <laughs> That's yeah. right, exclusive. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be fun. We're just kind of waiting for that call from Netflix. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll see. That would be nice. But yeah, thank you. Thank you both for having us. It was yeah. really fun. And and Tony and I, I, I hope we didn't hog the whole time. So. Oh, no. No, no you're, you're fine. You're here to talk. Like. And so go right on ahead. <laughs> so you, no, thank you so much. <laughs> All the old school people are usually just like, oh, am I talking too much? And me and Lauren are just like, no, like we could go like go on for hours. Like Jeez, this is the best on. thing ever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys and you guys are great. So keep it up. Love the podcast. I love podcasters in general. So keep up your podcast. Yeah, thank you. And to do some cross promotion, Tom and Tony both have an animation podcast as well. So go listen to their podcast. <laughs> It's called the Bancroft Brothers Animation Podcast. It's available on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. Where can people find you, Scott, if they want to like tell you how awesome your movie is? You know what? I, I'm like Batman. Just send up a bat signal. Say Animal Crackers and I'll find you. <laughs> She'll, yeah, he'll find you. All you got to do is Yeah, you, I'll find crackers. you. If I, see, if I see anything that says Animal Crackers on it, I'm there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you could find me on Twitter at ssava and on Instagram at ssavaart. And uh, that's that's enough for me. <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. Yeah, it was so wonderful meeting you both. Yeah, and, wonderful uh, to meet you too. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll thank come back guys. soon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you back. <laughs> Bye. Whew. Okay, that was awesome. That was a great. I mean, I'm I'm ecstatic with how that interview turned out so wait, how are you feeling how are you feeling oh i always this like was... every time i get like Ooh. fancy people like that they're like i don't know if you guys heard but like tony and scott were like it's an honor to be on my pod on on my pod on your podcast and i'm just like like no i'm not worthy like you know i just i'm not important <laughs> i just make videos on youtube you guys like actually did important things that i care about i'm very like you know um you know, tunnel vision, like, I only really care about animation and maybe, like, people in my life, and that's really it. You know, high school was, was not fun, or college. I mean, like, the first two years of college. Anyway. Um, so... Yeah, no, it's, it's, always good to, it's always good to know when you can connect with industry professionals, and then you end up talking to them, and you realize how much you can actually talk about the same things, and then you realize, hey, we're all movie, we're all movie geeks, and you know, we're all like animation geeks. You know, we can all talk this stuff, and it's and we're proud of it. Like it doesn't get better. Um, and I'll make like I'm sure you guys saw it in the the video if you guys want to see the video version. But it doesn't get any better than seeing actual keyframes from a Disney movie like on the podcast. Like I don't know, I don't know what else like you want from me. Like. <laughs> 
this was been like a like a nervousy episode because I'm just like, oh man, I care about these people, but you know, it was it turned out really <laughs> nice, and you know, they're just they're just they're just like you and me, but you know, they 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 happen to get their breaks a little earlier in a different mind not a mindset different um different part different era of the industry, I guess essentially, but you know, I yeah, I don't beat myself up about it too much because COVID. So like, no, I mean. People are kind of hiring, but not really. So I'm just like, I guess I'll just wait till the apocalypse is over. So um, if you're new, welcome. Thanks for listening to the whole podcast. I assume you did. I know our episodes run longer, but hey, we try to make it worth your while. I mean, you, you can listen to whatever. I All my friends who, who don't listen to podcasts, I'm like, listen to the podcast. I really like it. I'm very happy with them. They're just like, I don't know. I'm not really a podcast person. I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. So, um, you know, thanks. You don't, you don't enjoy easy listening. You don't enjoy just like that, just driving in your car. If you're able to go driving at this point in quarantine. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, um, you know, as usual, um, make sure you check out the main channel. If you're not familiar with that already, we're trying very hard to, um, have some growth going on with it. You know, I think, um, I, you know. We'll probably do something along the lines later, whatever. But yeah, please subscribe and watch the normal videos, essentially, if you want to. Um, if you want to watch some horse videos and you're not from the horse fandom, um, I usually say watch them anyway. Um, not because I, not because views, because views on old videos don't really do much. But um, wa- we'll still watch them. But um, they're funny and I have a lot of pop culture references for people who are like, I don't know what's happening, but haha, she put a meme in there, so that's my that's my legacy. Um, <laughs> And then for this podcast, it seems like most of our traffic is on YouTube, which is fine. Um, but, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We put out episodes every Wednesday for the most part, unless um, I fall asleep um, or Lauren does. And, you know, um, um, but they're on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes if it, that is more convenient. Um you know, you only really need YouTube for them if you a if you like the pretty loopy gla- graphics that we have, or you know, I don't know when we'll do on camera stuff, but we'll do like more on camera ish episodes after COVID is over, whenever that is. So you know, you can listen to it first, and then you can re listen to it like with us on screen or like streaming or something. Yeah, in the meantime, we're trying to get that we're trying to get streaming going, uh, so that way we can hopefully have that kind of in person interaction so well as in person as we can get uh in covid times <laughs> face to face time anyway yeah well we're shooting for for 130k by end of september i don't know if that will happen but like tell your friends essentially cuz i'm tr- i'm working That's really hard <laughs> i'm working really hard trying to you know grow and it will be easier once you know we we get momentum but youtube like ever since like 2016 youtube is just like fukp and i'm just like no, I want people to care about my stuff. And they're just like, but you f- you didn't upload for a long time. And I'm like, no. So, you know, spreading the word and watch, especially watching the videos when they come out um, is good. Oh, speaking of that, one more thing um, before we stop. So we're doing this new thing now. Now I have to, now, now you have to, you can get free stuff if you watch the videos when they first come out. So um, for now, so when the, like, so we upload, Right now on Thursdays, it might change to Wednesdays, so just keep an eye on the promotional stuff for the channel. But anyway, um, you usually can find in the community tab or on um, on Twitter sometimes. 
But if you comment on the video, the, a new video within 70, 72 hours of the upload, essentially, you, you are raffled in to get a free um, drawing from me or one of the team members. I've been doing them uh, mostly, but it's, it's like a headshot of, you know, rough headshot of any character you want or you, you know, if you want more details, then you can probably commission the artist, like, but you don't have to, obviously. So free things. If you guys want some free things, then make sure your notifications are on and, you know, like, prove to me that you watch the video. Don't just do it for free things. Um, and then, you know, that's one of the ways I'm trying to give back in a way that's incentivizing. Yay. Okay, Lauren, do you have any other things to add before we end? Um... Other than stay tuned for the next episode because we got lots of good stuff in the works and we are always constantly working. I mean, like KP said, she's working hard. And so I, the whole team's cranking to bring you some awesome content. So please, please subscribe. Hit that like button. Punch that like button in the face like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the notification bell. Oh, I feel like such a... Check out links. <laughs> I feel like a sellout, check out but links like... In the check out links in the description. Yeah, and if you're new too, this is like our twenty-something episode, so this is not a new podcast. So you can binge the old episodes if you want to, and have something to do, and even learn Trust some. Me, you'll have some plenty things. of hours. Yay, because all of the all of the episodes for the most part are educational and funny, quote unquote. So yay, learn some things. Come back yeah. on Wednesday, watch some videos. Thanks for thanks for paying attention to me. I guess thanks for listening. Yeah, so it's like hey, you know. Come come hang out with us anytime, and by anytime I mean anytime that's uh, pre-recorded and already on our playlist. Please uh, don't <laughs> <laughs> follow it. Follow us on follow us on Twitter. You know we have our accounts. I basically I guess everything's linked in in the descriptions slash you know yeah social medias. So we have uh, an Instagram so anyway. that we use sometimes for the podcast, and then we have our personal stuff. <laughs> so you know. You know, whatever you feel like, you know, I just say follow me on Twitter because I like when people follow me on Twitter. But, you know, I I like I feel like some people are just like she doesn't post pony things anymore. Like, I don't know, like she's she's abandoned us. And I'm just like, you know, I still do pony videos, just not as often. So don't be mad. Like the show is over. What do you want from me? me. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah. okay. But yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. And we will see you next time. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication. <laughs>